0: mean old lion media where black and brown voices truly matter hey guys this is russ and this is the overlook podcast today we're gonna look into the disappearance of traquita scott also known as kita traquita scott is a 32 year old african-american woman missing from fort lauderdale florida She was last seen on June 25, 2014. Kita's loved ones described her as a likable, fun person who loved being a mother. Her fiancé described her as someone who loved helping people and being part of a community. At the time of her disappearance, she was working as a home health aide worker, working with mentally challenged adults, and also at the U-Haul store. Family states that she had aspirations to become a police officer. In fact, before she disappeared, she had went on a ride along with the Miami Gardens police. She and her fiance were saving up money to enroll her in the local police academy. The police officer that Chiquita rode along with was Officer Camilo Garcia. In a 2015 Sun Sentinel article, Officer Garcia is quoted as saying, she didn't want to work anywhere else. She grew up here, she knew a lot of people and she wanted to make changes. Now, on the day that your disappeared, she was supposed to pick up her two children from daycare about 2 p.m., but she never made it to that building. But they kind of gave her some grace, thinking maybe your mom was running late. But once 4 p.m. rolled around and Kita never arrived to pick her children up, the daycare figured it was time to reach out to emergency contact to let them know that the children were still there. Kita's fiance, Al Leveson, was alerted by staff, and he went to the daycare himself to pick the children up. Initially, I was thinking that Keita was probably home and overslept a little, and he thought that when he arrived to the daycare, they would actually run into each other. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Al got to the daycare, he picked the children up, and went back home, but Keita wasn't there either. The place, it looked normal. Nothing had been out of sorts, but it still didn't feel right. Al had spoken to reporters saying that he tried to figure some other things out in his head about where Kita could possibly be. One of those things he was thinking was, well, maybe she went out joyriding. But that didn't make sense to him either because Kita would have picked up the kids first and took them along with her. She loved having her kids with her and she had no history of disappearing and going no contact. And at that time, Al had actually heard from Kia around 4 p.m. that day. It was via text. He reports that they were texting each other all day from the time she got up and left to go run errands with her mom until that text at 4 p.m. The last thing that he texted her was, I love you so much, beautiful, at 3.19 p.m. Around 4 p.m., she texted him back and said, I love you too, Bay." That was her last known interaction with anybody in her life, and Kita's phone appeared to be shut off for the rest of that day. Though, it didn't appear that Kita's phone was turned back on the following day, but still, no one had heard from her. Chiquita's mother was immediately worried when she realized her daughter did not go to pick up her kids at the daycare. See, Chiquita had actually been with her mother earlier that very same day that she had went missing, They were mostly just hanging out together running errands. Keita had a minor headache and told her mother she would go home and take a nap before meeting up with her son's father Carl Watts Jr. to pick up some money he was giving her for their son before heading to the daycare to pick the kids up. Once she realized Keita was missing her mother called her 23 times just hoping that one of these times she would pick up an answer and at least be able to say that she was okay. As far as she knew Kita had no other plans for the day. According to her nameless profile, Kita was reported missing at 1 30 a.m the very next morning once it became clear that she wasn't coming out. Now as I stated before, Kita had no history of disappearing or going no contact to her fiance or her parents. In fact, everything about this was so far out of her nature that family was immediately concerned and immediately wanted to reach out to police. The people in Keto's life, they wonder where Keto was, but they also wonder, where was Carl Watts Jr.? Now, Carl Watts Jr. was Keto's ex-boyfriend and the father of her son. Carl is a scary dude. He has a long history of violence that started long ago. And somehow, throughout the years, he always managed to get pretty much a slap on the wrist from the law from all his wrongdoings. Family was immediately drawn to suspicions of Carl and his possible involvement in Kita's disappearance. Kita's mom reports that the minute she learned that Kita was gone, she called Carl. Family reports that He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm with my brother. I'm getting ready to drop him off and I'll call you guys back later. But he never called the family back. Now, the family, they called him. They called him and they called him and they called him. But he refused to answer. In fact, Carl himself then went missing. Police had wanted to talk to Carl, but they struggled to find him. He was in my and gone in the wind for a few weeks. Now, police, they did search and they canvassed the area for Kida, but nothing was found. That is until about a week later. Kida's gold 2007 Nissan Optima was found abandoned in a Liberty City neighborhood in Miami, over 20 miles away from where she was. It was abandoned underneath a bridge. Phone records would soon show that Carl had been in that area the day that Kida disappeared. Within the first two weeks that Keita disappeared, you can find articles where Keita's family straight up says that they know Carl has something to do with this. Keita's mother told reporters, I know he has my child. Because of the threats he had made against my child, he is constantly following her and told her that if he couldn't have her, no one else would. So let's talk about Carl Watts Jr., Carl Watts Jr. is a walking menace to society. Now, if you follow my podcast and if you listen to at least two to three episodes, you know that when it comes to people possibly involved in others' disappearances, I try to give you multiple sides of the story. Yes, this person may have suspicions, but also this is another possibility. I want to be very clear. You're not going to get that in this episode you also won't be getting a theory section. This particular case has a lot of moving parts. When I initially wrote my notes for this case, my notes reached up to 17 pages and I still had to put everything in. In fact, it took me hours to sit and try to figure out what things I would have to take out for time's sake. In this episode, what you're about to hear is a retelling of things that Carl has actually did. And all these suspicious ties he has to other alleged violent activities. Now, Carl and kita they had an on-again and off-again relationship, but Kita has switched that relationship to off permanently. She met a good man, fell in love, and they got engaged. She was moving on in her life. What we'll find out is that Carl has a history of not liking women to move on with their life. Now, it appears that all the main characters in Keita's life knew how obsessive and possessive and violent Carl could be. One of Keita's old supervisors told reporters that when Keita and Carl dated, he would constantly come up to the job starting drama. He would try to grab her and take her outside, and other workers would have to step in and confront him. Mr. Davis, her former supervisor, told reporters, and I quote, She even said one day she had a feeling she might not come back in regards to him coming to the job and pulling her outside. That very same supervisor had to eventually file a restraining order himself to keep Carl from coming up to Kita's job and causing mayhem. Now, this is not where Carl's violent history begins by any stretch of the imagination. Carl has a criminal record that dates back to the 90s. And while several articles mention that Carl has a very violent past, it's kind of hard to find information on any of his cases before 2003. So that's where I'm going to start. Carl has a history to disregard others as he pleases. In 2003, he had been arrested on burglary, robbery, and kidnapping with a weapon charges by the Miami Springs police. But somehow these charges were dropped but in what appears to be a true carl fashion he appears to take that slap on the wrist as a sign from the universe to do more and that same year he was convicted after police accused him of organized fraud grand theft and depositing checks with the intent to defraud and he was sent to prison but fast forward to 2005 while he's in prison he escaped the prison yes Escape, as in a He's He found and brought back into custody sometime in mid-April the following year. But even with his AWOLing, he was released just a year later on July 22nd, 2007. But Carl, being Carl, in true Carl fashion, decided that he wanted to up the ante and add additional mayhem into the world, you know, as per usual. And shortly after Carl was released, he was arrested again on kidnapping and battery charges. He had only been out of prison for a few months at that time. But just as Carl seems to have his cycles, the criminal justice system seemed to have their cycles with him. And just like it had happened a few times before, that kidnapping and battery charge, they were dropped. And Carl was just out here walking around free. Now, we're going to fast forward to 2014, the year Chiquita disappeared. Chiquita, she disappeared on June 25th, but a few weeks before that, on May 1st, 2014, Carl decided that he unconsciously wanted to catch some more charges. According to news sources, Carl attempted to kidnap a high school girl who was waiting at a bus stop. In a statement, the victim said that Carl tried to give her $50 and coaxed her into coming with him. When she refused, she said Carl grabbed her arm with both his hands and tried to pull her towards his van, which was parked just a few feet away. Luckily for the victim, the bus was arriving at this moment and she was able to get away and get on the bus. When she got to school, she informed staff and the police were contacted. Some of this incident was actually caught on surveillance from neighboring businesses. The video of this incident was released to the public, and crime stoppers report that once the video was released, they received over a dozen calls from people who recognized Carl or recognized his van. Carl turned himself into the police the next day, and even though Carl had a history that connected him to several other violent crimes, including three other kidnapping charges, And then there's the fact that when this happened, he was already on probation for a federal weapons charge. Even with all of that, Carl was given a bond. And for this case, Carl was charged with battery and false imprisonment charges. But as you might have guessed, those false imprisonment charges, they were dropped. He was eventually sentenced to only eleven months in a federal prison and two years of supervised release on the battery charge despite the fact that there was at least three other times in his history that he had been arrested for kidnapping. And while this sentence is very light, it's actually only one month less than the maximum that was recommended by prosecutors. And at his hearing, the judge scolded him, calling him a predator, calling him selfish for his attitude towards women and his judgment as a parent. Now, you might be asking yourself, okay like true 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 but where did that comment about his parenting come in from well that's because he had his son with him while this incident occurred his son was in that very same van that he was accused of trying to put his victim in you know against her will before it being sentenced carl is quoted as saying now i see i didn't make a mistake What hurts me most is I left my child to talk to a woman. Carl maintained that he was simply trying to pick the victim up. He did admit to offer her money, but states that his plans were to take her out to breakfast and then drop her off at school, you know, because she was a high school student. And again, all this occurred just weeks before Kida disappeared. Now, going back to Keita's disappearance, about a week after Keita disappeared and her car was recovered, police were still asking, where is Carl? Now, police did not name him as a suspect. They said they simply want to talk to him, but it would be weeks before Carl turned himself in to the police. And, by the way, when he turned himself in, he did not turn himself in to talk to the police about Keita or her disappearance. He was starting himself in because he was violating the terms of his supervision on an old federal weapons conviction. From what I could gather, when it came to Keita's disappearance, he was pretty much uncooperative. When Carl watched Jr. finally talk to the police, he tried to tell them that, yeah, he saw Keita the day he disappeared. But he said it was at a time that was impossible for him to have seen her as they had evidence that Keita was out and she was out with her mom nowhere near him. He didn't change his story and said, well, no, I didn't actually see her. But again, police were able to pull up phone records that showed that Carl did talk to Keita that day. And not only that, but his phone records also show that he was in the area, or at least near the area, where Keita's car was found on the day that she disappeared. But even with that, to this day, Carl is not named as a suspect in Keita's disappearance. Though, over the years, they have confirmed that, yes, he is a person of interest in her case. Dina Graylaw, a police spokeswoman, told reporters, we do investigations based on physical evidence as opposed to hunches or gut instinct. And that's what we're looking for, physical evidence that will lead us to where Miss Scott is. And that's fair. You know, innocent until proven guilty, that's the American way, allegedly, but In this case, that does little to console a family still on the edge, trying to figure out where their loved one is. Kita's family did, and still does, suspect Carl of foul play in regards to Kita's disappearance. At an event to raise awareness for Kita's case, back in 2014, her mother made it clear. She stated, We believe we know who's involved, but we need your help. And unfortunately, that's still kind of where they are today. Now, at least they might not be pointing fingers publicly at any suspect. And Kita's family, well, they have been very vocal about their suspicion of Carl. But on the flip side of that is Carl's family, who, at least in the very beginning, was team Carl all the way. Some did not think Carl had anything to do with Kita's disappearance. In a 2014 NBC Miami article, when Carl was still missing, then police could not find him to talk to him. Carl's mother was in a few articles mentioning that she just wanted her son to come in so he could clear his name. She told reporters that she had actually talked to him and he told her he didn't do anything Nikita and she seemed to have believed him. The article goes on to quote the mother saying nobody is perfect. Whatever my son did in the past he was much younger. I'm not justifying anything but he did his time for that. No matter what people think or say, you know what you did and you know what you didn't do. Turn yourself in so you can clear your name. That was the message that she put out there when Carl was still missing himself and no one had heard from him. But eventually Carl did call her and she squatted at saying he was crying. He is very upset because he sees me upset. He said, I had nothing to do with Kito's disappearance. His mother would go on to co-sign for his bond. You know, his alleged failed attempt to kidnap a teenage girl at a bus stop. You know, the one after the other three alleged kidnapping charges. And look, I know a mother's love can be deep and it's protective. We wanna believe our children mean good even when they mess up. We wanna believe, okay, they did this thing, but my baby's heart is in the right place. And that's fine and dandy in a perfect world, but here's the thing, we aren't in a perfect world and we need to have a serious talk about accountability in our communities. So let me do a quick rant about the things we are not about to do and will no longer be accepting, nor should we ever accept it in the first place when it comes to our communities. We will not protect predators in our community. We will not sacrifice the innocence, safety, or lives of our girls to protect grown men. We will not look at a violent grown individual's behaviors and coddle them because they too have trauma. They too have a past, they too have pain. Guess what, them and their ground self are responsible for healing their own pain. They and their big and bad self are also responsible for healing their trauma. They might not have deserved to have that trauma placed upon them. They may have been pure and innocent when they got that pain. And while those things can be true, it is also true that none of those things should ever be used as a get out of jail free card for accountability. When we say Black Lives Matter, we are including Black women in that narrative too. And while that means no more police brutality, that also means no more injustice served to us in the streets, in our jobs, in our communities, or our homes. So let me break it down even further. Okay, let me let me break it down even further for you. That means holding your homeboys accountable for the misogyny and violence. That means holding your brothers and sons accountable for their abuse or terror. This means there ain't no more, okay, y'all, just remember to watch the girls when Uncle Tate gets to the cookout. Because nah, ain't no more Uncle Tate coming to the cookout. This means there's no more calling little girls grown or fast or quote-unquote messing around with grown men. They weren't messing around with grown men. They were being groomed and raped by predators. Nah, we're stopping that. And we're having conversations, real conversations, not just, I mean, they know better. They're a good person. I don't got to tell them that. No, you do need to tell them that. We need to be having conversations with our kids about what is appropriate and what is inappropriate behavior. Teaching our kids that no means no. Teaching our kids how to control emotionally charged, harmful behaviors creating safe spaces for our kids to grow by ending cycles of trauma. And we cannot do that if we are abiding by codes that say to protect those who are harming and terrorizing our communities. Now back to Kida's case. There's some good news and there's some absolutely horrible news. The good news is that there's been a sudden increase of attention to Kida's case within the last two weeks. News channels are talking about her case again. There are new articles being written about Keita disappearing in 2014. The bad news? The bad news is the why, the reason this case is seeing a resurgence in the media. On April 2, 2022, Carl Watts Jr., Keita's ex, walked into a North Miami Beach Jewish community center and shot and killed his wife, Shondell Harris, in front of her 12-year-old daughter, her mother, and many others. Witnesses say they saw Carl chase his wife and shoot her multiple times. According to police, once his wife collapsed to the ground, Carl then walked over, stood over her, and continued shooting until he ran out of ammunition. He attempted to flee the area, but luckily was detained by a private security officer. Aaron Batten, a family member of the Chandel, is quoted saying he followed her, chased her down, and shot her like an animal, like he was hunting. And here's the thing, at the time that this was happening, police were already looking for Carl. As they had a warrant out for his arrest, in true Carl fashion, keeping up with his M.O., he had already committed another act of terror before beginning this whole new one on April 2nd, 2022. The day before he viciously murdered his wife, he had actually stabbed her six times. What we find out is that an argument began between Shandell and Carl, the day before she was killed over text messages she found in his phone. A Miami police incident report says that Shandell told Carl that she wanted a divorce. He punched her in the face and stabbed her six times before pointing a gun to his own head, threatening to kill himself, if she left. In the real police report for the stabbing incident, it stated that Carl told Shandell he could not and would not live without her something Keita's family says he often told their daughter as well. After the stabbing incident, Chandel left their home and took her daughter and hid at her mother's home. The next morning, her daughter had the swimming lesson at the Michael Ann Russell Jewish Community Center. She probably wanted to give her daughter back a feeling of normalcy, of, hey, let's not think about that thing that happened yesterday. She probably went into the class thinking it would be safe, she was in public. She was surrounded by people the whole time. Her mother was right there with her as well. Unfortunately, though, Carl knew Janelle would be there. and He knew what time she would be there and did not care that others were around. And honestly, looking back, why would he? Why would he care? He had a history of violence against women that was always allowed and tolerated. He was always able to harm women at his leisure with no real consequence that fit the horrors he perpetrated. And even with this vicious incident, where, you know, he purposely looked for his victim, shot her at point-blank range, emptying his clip as she already lay dying. He was only initially charged with a felon in possession of a weapon and second-degree murder, which typically means that there's a belief that the murder wasn't premeditated. So he went exactly where he knew she would be with a gun that he wasn't even allowed to possess. He went into this building that did not allow guns to, quote unquote, talk to her against him. But somehow the system is saying that this wasn't premeditated. Currently, Carl Washington is sitting in jail awaiting trial. Now, this whole incident with Ms. Harris was not really a surprise to Kita's family. Our father, Charles Scott, told news crews, my prayers go out to the family for what they're going through. I understand, but that's the kind of gentleman he is. Currently, what you hear echoed around the web surrounding Shindel's case. is commenter's asking, why was Carl even allowed to still be walking the streets? He is an individual that has shown his cruelty violence and lack of self-control or judgment time and time again and now there are at least four women that we the public are aware of that have been traumatized hurt or murdered by this one individual and yes by the way you heard me right four women that the public knows that he is possibly connected to harming in some way because see once the death of Chandel hit the news Another woman's family came forward with questions about his connection to the death of their loved one. This woman's name is Vicki Simmons. In 2009, a woman by the name of Vicki Simmons was murdered. She was found dead inside a room at the Sun and Surf Inn on Biscayne and Boulevard in Miami, Florida. At the time of her death, she was in a relationship with Carl Watts Jr. according to her family members. In a WSMV news article, Vicky's sister, LaShawn Jones, talked about her sister's death and her relationship with Carl. From what she knew, their relationship was not good, and her sister went it out. LaShawn goes on to say that one day, out the blue, Carl came to visit her and made it appear as though he had no idea where Vicky was and asked LaShawn if she'd seen her. LaShawn had not, and immediately got concerned not too long after that visit, was found dead inside a motel room. Her case has never been solved. And like so many cases, Vicki didn't get a lot of news coverage and solving her case seemed to be put on the back burner. But her family still had burning questions and they never let go. They never forgot how the circumstances of Vicki's death had been. Over the years, There have been groups of volunteers, divers, and search dogs that have come together in search of Kita. The area near Amar border was stated to be a place of interest in the beginning of the case, but multiple searches of the area never led to anything. Family members even did stakeouts in places that Carl was known to go, hoping this would lead to them finding something, anything, a hint, or a clue, but it never did. At some point, the family stopped doing physical searches, but that was only after there was nowhere else to search. Keita's aunt, Lynette, is quoted saying, We gave up physically, but mentally, we didn't give up. At a point, you must continue to live, but live with that hole in your heart. The death of Shindale Harris was senseless, cowardly, and unforgivable. Now, another woman has been taken away from her family. Another child is growing up motherless. Another woman is connected to the fury of Carl Watts Jr. The only thing that makes a lick of sense out of this whole case is that Carl Watts Jr. is now sitting in jail off the streets in a position where he cannot harm another woman. Vicki Simmons' sister, LaShawn, states that this arrest feels like a rebirth for her sister, In a Sun Sentinel article, she says, She, Beanie Vicky, passed February 18th, but the day that Mr. Watts got arrested, this is your new rebirth day. Maybe we can get justice for everyone, and maybe some more people will come forward. I believe for a fact, there's more people. Trakita Scott's family is glad to hear that Carl Watts is off the street, but it hasn't really healed anything. Her father is quoted as saying, the best thing about it is that he's not on the street no more. He's not free anymore, but I mean, closure? At this point, no, it doesn't really matter. My daughter is still not here. While Carl Watts Jr. is currently in jail facing homicide charges for the death of Shen Del Harris, he still has not been officially named a suspect in the death of Vicki Simmons or Trakita Scott their families still don't know what happened to their loved ones. I ask that if anyone has any information regarding the whereabouts or circumstances of disappearance surrounding Chiquita Scott or Vicki Simmons, that you contact the Fort Lauderdale Police Department at 954-828-5700 or the Broward County Crime Stoppers at 954 493 tips now as always I will have pictures and information about the numbers you can call on my instagram that's the overlooked underscore podcast take a look and see if you recognize the faces of anybody involved with this case no clue is too small or too insignificant I will post the pictures of Shandell Harris Vicki Simmons and Carl Watts Jr. on the instagram page as well because all these cases seem to be interconnected, there's a high chance that information or tips on one can lead to a breakthrough and tips for the others. And while Carl, yes, he's currently in jail right now, facing murder charges, we still want to give Chiquita's and Vicky's families answers as well. We still want to help them know what happened to their loved one. Now, as always, guys, I hope you guys stay safe, stay vigilant, and you hear the sound of my voice again with a new episode next Sunday. Bye. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.